This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, November 6, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. Now 25 months after pre-dawn raids on the homes of political activists in Wisconsin that resulted in zero prosecutions, the state has changed laws that pertain to so-called John Doe investigations and government accountability boards. Eric O'Keefe was among those under investigation. He provides an update on his fight for free political speech. You know, Governor Walker and a bunch of uh, fiery conservatives got elected in 2010, came in and uh, passed sweeping reforms on public employee unions, which had been getting a stranglehold on state government. That led to protests that most people heard about with 70, 80,000 people marching around the Madison Square. That's the fight that uh, that uh, I got involved in in defending what was called Act 10, defending those reforms. I got very involved with the Wisconsin Club for Growth in Wisconsin defending that. Revenge for that is what led to the October 3rd, 2013 raids. And these were raids in the dark on family homes with kids at home in two cases, um, dramatic overkill, flak-vested police, and just outrageous assaults. Um, my home was not raided by it's kind of a fluke, uh, but I was served with a long subpoena, which fortunately was more disclosed more than the search warrants did. So from that day, October 3rd on, I've been full-time managing the litigation and, and uh, public relations on this fight. And this was over precisely what? Well, I, you know, it's, it's funny. The Wall Street Journal asked me that, and I said, it, it's not about what, it's about who. This was over the fact that we had been effective in communicating with Wisconsin voters, and the certain people in the permanent government resented it and wanted to destroy us. They didn't have a hook. They didn't have a violation. As multiple courts have now ruled, they didn't have probable cause. They, their rationalization was coordination. And Brad Smith, you know, our friend over at Center for Competitive Politics, has written at length about this. It's a very fuzzy thing. What they tried to do is criminalize our communications with people who agree with us. Uh, and, and coordination, you know, what does it mean? It has, in, in election law, it has a fuzzy, narrow meaning. We didn't coordinate. But since coordination is so fuzzy and the prosecutors don't really know what it means, emails between people they don't like were construed as evidence of probable cause that a crime may have been committed. I mean, that's, I'm going to just restate that. We were communicating with people who agree with us, and the prosecutors in Wisconsin tried to turn that into a crime. Coordination, we typically associate that with candidates. Candidates may not coordinate with supportive super PACs, for example, but you're talking about groups that are outside of elections directly, that is, none of you are candidates, but you're communicating with each other and with uh, people who support your efforts to communicate ideas. Right. And uh, I mean, this was such a reach that it actually has hardly penetrated because it's so preposterous. But um, their claim was that the someone not running for office, being Governor Scott Walker, communicating with an issue group, Wisconsin Club for Growth, which was running ads related to the issues that we backed in the legislature and certain state Senate recall campaigns, that that constituted illegal coordination with the Walker campaign. Now, this must sound strange to your listeners. There was no Walker campaign. 
Walker wasn't a candidate. He wasn't running for office. We didn't run ads related to Walker. So because we didn't and because we weren't in communication with the Senate campaigns, the state senators who we were mentioning in our ads, they actually claimed in court filings that it doesn't matter what our ad said. Our communications with Walker and with certain other people who were, you know, who were, had been involved in politics in Wisconsin were evidence of a crime. It's a reach that would let them go anywhere, and uh, and they did go anywhere because they ended up uh, serving search warrants on m- most of the major internet service providers in the country and compiling a massive database which exceeds 6.7 million documents of emails from people, many of whom don't live in Wisconsin. So they turned it into a nationwide spying operation off of the shadow of a thread of a doubt and <laughs> about coordination. And to your point about shadow of a thread of a doubt, no charges have been filed in the 22, 24, 25 months since uh, those raids occurred. Right. And, and Caleb, they won't be. No charges will be filed in this this John Doe was shut down by order of the Supreme Court, and recently uh, Governor Walker signed a reform of the John Doe law that blocks these abuses, and notably it retroactively lifts the unconstitutional secrecy order from all private John Doe's, from all prior John Doe's. It lifts the order from the uh, witnesses and the targets of any prior John Doe in Wisconsin. It also uh, narrows, it, it, it puts a bunch of protections in so that John Doe's can't be abused in this way again. So actually, I'm no longer defying an unconstitutional secrecy order and talking to you. Now that there have been some changes, tell us about the agency that was specifically uh, putting together uh, this investigation. Yes, it's called the Government Accountability Board, which has the ironic acronym of GAB. It was in the business of speech suppression. And um, it was a, a type of thing we're seeing at the national level in a number of states, by the way. A legislature delegates large authority to an executive branch agency, which uh, feels its power. Uh, it was created with great power, but not enough to satisfy the staff who kept grabbing more power. So this was actually a rogue agency which decided that it should rule, not the legislature, not the people, but this agency. This agency is in the process of being terminated by other legislation, new legislation coming through the legislature. As of June 30 of next year, it will cease to exist. So both the John Doe law and the prime agency leading the speech suppression campaign will be eliminated. Now, you said that your colleagues, of course, were raided. Your home was not. Um, What recourse do you folks have at this point with respect to recovering uh, presumably property and uh, damages for having been treated in this way. There's some ambiguity about that, but here's the situation. Even though in July we won this sweeping Supreme Court victory, which said that these investigations were run, were without foundation in reason or law. It was a re- not just a win on the law, but a slapdown of all the prosecutorial abuses and a very heartening decision. So the Supreme Court understood what had occurred. However, in the wake of that decision, Our adversaries filed hundreds of pages of sealed documents arguing for reconsideration, threatening to ask for cert from the U.S. Supreme Court, and most outrageously of all, asking to be able to permanently retain their massive database, which was illegally obtained. There's a brazen request 
Our Supreme Court now, over three months later, has yet to issue a ruling on those motions. So that should happen anytime. So the documents, the materials seized during this are still in the possession of our adversaries all this time later, even though it was all unconstitutional from inception. Um, other people now have good grounds to sue and I think are going to wait until they have their materials back before they decide what to do. Because there was no prosecution, how does one allege prosecutorial misconduct in a case like this? Well, the charge then would be abuse during the investigation. So prosecutorial immunity does not imply during an investigation. They were extremely abusive with the raids, with interrogations that we know about, with leaks, with threats made. So that is prosecutors conducting an illicit investigation and violating rights during the investigation. Actually, because charges were never filed, they have a much better chance of recovery. This Government Accountability Board in Wisconsin uh, has been discussed by by several folks as a test for these kinds of boards in other states. Worse yet, held up, this Government Accountability Board has been held up as a model by certain authoritarian professors and other commenters on the left. And this fight in Wisconsin is drawing national attention right now. The New York Times editorialized against the reforms. They ran a biased news story against the reforms, and the Brennan Center sent an op-ed into the Milwaukee newspaper against the reforms. So there is actually a heated fight with national attention, and uh, it was held up as a model agency. And I would say what we saw here is evidence of the progressive project, and you know I use progressive advisedly in quotes. The progressive project, they don't like popular government. They don't like the Constitution. They want rule by experts, and they want to get rid of constraints. To them, the legislature is a problem, and legislators to them are kind of dummies, and the people are worse. So these bodies are designed to, in effect, check the legislators to make them more afraid of the regulatory agency than they are of their own voters and to make them you know, deferential to editorial pages and, and uh, permanent elites in government. So it's subversive of representative government. It's very dangerous. And the fact that this, these abuses went on for years is evidence of actually of the fear that legislators have of the regulatory state. Eric O'Keefe is a political activist in Wisconsin. Learn more about campaign finance reform and its flaws at Cato.org.